wanted to thank John and uh, Dan for inviting me here today. It's, it's been a tremendous collection of talks. Today I'm going to talk first about the genetic and evolutionary genetic bases of autism. Specifically, I'll address the question of how alleles mediate autism risk in ASD-related phenotypes. And next I'll discuss phenotypes associated with autism in relation, relation to the evolution of phenotypes along the human lineage to address the question of how and why risk of autism has actually evolved in our lineage. So a basic genetic model for a continuously distributed trait, such as score on an, a scale of autism, is shown here. We have hundreds or thousands of common small effect alleles influencing one's score on this trait, and the effects of those alleles are shown here. We now know that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of alleles like this having small effects on risk of autism, either increasing autism risk or decreasing autism risk. And we can add up all of the alleles that we get from our mother and our father to come up with a, a summed total inherited polygenic liability. We also have variation which is due to rare and de novo mutations. These alterations have relatively large effects. They are relatively few in number, and they add to the inherited polygenic liability to give us the total overall liability, in this case, above the threshold. Now, the critically important question is what do these alleles actually do? At the most general level, our basic evolutionary genetic prediction is that, first of all, these rare alleles are bad. They're expected to be deleterious because they're having relatively large effects on, uh, on a system that is fundamentally well-adapted. Those large effects are more likely to be deleterious. And these variants are rare because they are selected against. Natural selection keeps their frequencies very low because of their bad effects on neurodevelopment. Now, these alleles are a different story. These alleles are common. These autism risk alleles, if they only had bad effects, should not be common. They should have been removed from our gene pool by natural selection. So a basic evolutionary genetic model says there must also be something good about these autism risk alleles. These alleles must mediate some sort of trade-off between deleterious effects associated with autism risk and some sort of positive effects that maintains these alleles in human populations. So we have to ask the question, are common autism risk alleles or single nucleotide polymorphisms associated with positive phenotypic traits and with trade-offs between different traits? And we've uh, conducted some tests of this idea with a cohort of about 500 Caucasians. We've genotyped them for 24 of the relatively well-supported, well-established autism 
risk SNPs. And today I'll just be talking about the results from one of the tests that we gave these individuals, the mental rotation test of visual spatial skill. One of the points of, of this this sort of test is that to determine the usual, the evolved functions of autism risk alleles, we do need to study neurotypical populations. So we can learn about autism by studying people without the condition as well as by studying people with it. Mental rotation test, visual spatial abilities dependent on working memories. Number of studies show that autism spectrum people score higher. The neurotypicals functional connectivity is lower in autism when they engage in this test, and males tend to score considerably higher than females. Two of the 24 SNPs that we analyzed showed statistical association in analysis of variance with performance on the mental rotation test. These are SNPs in the gene PITX1 and APC. And in both of these cases, the individuals who had more autism risk alleles performed better on the mental rotation test. So this is, I think, some of the first evidence for what we can consider to be cognitive advantages or cognitive benefits of, of alleles that have been associated with autism. Now, this is an initial proof of concept, I think, for what I like to call uh, an autism phenome project because of the work by uh, Dan Geshwind and, and others. We now have uh, well-established lists of at least good candidate autism risk genes. We can find out what those genes do in addition to contributing to autism risk. We can apply these sorts of tests to hundreds of autism risk alleles, testing different social and non-social phenotypes to systematically uncover the single and combined cognitive effects of these alleles. These are not autism risk alleles. These are alleles that ha are having varying effects on social cognition and other forms of cognition. This provides a framework for subsetting of ASDs, personalized therapies down the road, allows for integration of allelic variation with the variation in phenotypes at different levels, and it provides for robust tests of evolutionary and neurological models of autism that involve trade-offs, connectivity, and other factors. The next part of my talk, I want to discuss the phenotypes associated with autism in relation to the evolution of phenotypes along the human lineage. So I've made a little list of three key adaptations that make us human, with apologies to Carta and Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> Humans have big brains, and that makes us smart. We are smart in particular ways, we are socially smart. We have the elaboration of the human social brain, the distributed yet integrated set of neural systems that has evolved specifically in the context of social interactions between people. But we're not just socially smart. We're also technically smart, as shown by the tremendous elaboration of human material culture. If anything has changed the human world, it is advances in technology. 
Now we can expand on this very simple list to come up with a longer set of what I would call the core elements of evolved human brain and behavior. This includes language, sense of self, mentalistic skills, social emotionality, pride, guilt, embarrassment, shame, contempt, all have explicitly social contexts, anger and fear, basic emotions do not. We have complex long-term regulated goal pursuit, empathic drive, as we've seen in our discussions of mirror neuron systems, and we have uh, greatly elaborated visual, spatial, and technical skills and high levels of what we can call abstract intelligence, sometimes also called fluid intelligence, and, and it is intelligence which is not based on learning and enculturation. Now, how did these core elements of human brain and behavior evolve? Well, they must have evolved like everything else evolved. Over the past six million years, there have been a series of mutations, some of which the good ones were selected for and increased to fixation. Many of them are currently segregating, and this is the sort of common alleles that we, that we, we analyze in uh, GWAS studies. So these, this allelic variation relevant to these traits, is, is that variation is still present in extant populations. And each of these human-evolved traits can, like any other traits, vary in two opposite directions, towards either being less developed or being more developed. How have these human-evolved traits been altered, or how do they differ in autism? I've summarized a very large body of work, some of which is discussed in these citations. Severe counter autism, a uh, lack of speech, reduced sense of self demonstrated in some studies, lower mentalistic skill, reduced theory of mind. Basic emotions present, complex social emotions tend to be reduced or absent. Less in the way of long-term goals, insistence on sameness, reduced social motivation. So all of this set of social and verbal and language-related traits show forms of reduction. But these traits down here at the bottom, visual, spatial, technical skills, and abstract fluid intelligence, show in a considerable body of literature, some of which has been summarized by Motron and his group, most recently in this paper in PLOS One, we have relative and absolute enhancements in visual, spatial, technical skills, and abstract uh, uh, fluid intelligence. So we're seeing here something similar to what, we, what I showed you before in our SNP data. We have essentially the, a trade-off between this sort of human-evolved skill and this sort of human-evolved skill. And we can think of autism, at least, in, at least in part, at least in some forms, as being at one extreme of that trade-off. Now, what happens if one goes in the other direction from autism? What does the perturbation look like if we take each of these traits and go the other way? We start out with language appearing out of nowhere, auditory hallucination, overdeveloped sense of self, delusion of grandeur, megalomania, theory of mind hyperdeveloped in paranoia and delusion. These, these top three 
define psychosis, a set of traits that humans fall into uh, remarkably easily. Extreme social emotionality, highly developed in depression with high levels of, of guilt and shame. Complex regulated goal pursuit pushed to a dysregulated extreme is represented by mania in bipolar disorder. Hyperdeveloped empathic drive has been demonstrated in borderline personality disorder, where a large series of studies has shown enhancements in empathic skills over normal individuals. So this set of traits defined, defines what can be called the psychotic affective spectrum, including schizophrenia, bipolar depression, and borderline personality, and, and some others. These overlap in phenotypes. Some of them uh, overlap in genetic risk factors, and they all tend to grade into one another. And if you look in these conditions, what you also find is that there are selective reductions, specifically in visual, spatial, technical skills, and the basis of abstract fluid intelligence, which, uh, which is working memory. So what we've got here is a trade-off, but the trade-off is working in the opposite direction. We have hyperdevelopment, hyperdevelopment to the point of maladaptation and pathology of the same set of traits that are reduced in autism. So what this represents is a, is a very simple, probably overly, highly overly simple model of how autism is associated with human evolution and with psychotic affective conditions. The model is based on trade-offs between social and non-social skills. Trade-offs are absolutely fundamental to evolutionary biology all the way from genes up to any sort of higher level system. You don't get anything for free. If one looks in the literature, there is extensive evidence for trade-off between verbal social skills and non-social skills, from, mainly from studies of autism. Here in red, we have various verbal social skills, empathizing, false belief, theory of mind, abilities, ADOS score, reading mind in the eyes, all of these showing negative correlations with non-social skills commonly involving uh, visual spatial abilities. So how is this evolutionary model useful? It provides an evolutionary perspective on autism and points to the fundamental importance of trade-offs. The mirroring of autism spectrum and psychotic affective spectrum traits provides for reciprocal illumination of the causes and study and treatments of ASDs in relation to psychotic affective conditions. This means that all of the knowledge that we have gained about schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, borderline, all of that knowledge can, in principle, be directly useful for helping us to understand autism. And just to give you some examples of this sort of reciprocal illumination, there are various pharmaceutical treatments under development or test for ASD, and some of these are the, involve the opposite modifications to the same ligand receptor 
system. And these lines of development have occurred essentially uh, in isolation from one another. The best case here is the Emgler 5 system, which is hyperactivated in Fragile X and some other forms of autism. So antagonists for this receptor are, uh, are under development and have been tested in Fragile X. The same receptor for the same receptor agonists are being developed and have been tested for schizophrenia. Prenatal exposure to some mood stabilizers, SSRIs, and antipsychotics are associated with ASD and ASD-related traits in offspring. These therapeutics are expected, according to this model, to make people relatively more autistic. This is their effect under the model. But prenatal exposure here is associated with with ASD. And there's considerable evidence from functional imaging studies for alterations, opposite alterations in various social brain regions. Probably the most interesting recent uh, example is hyperactivation of the mirror neuron system in schizophrenia patients who are actively psychotic. So I've talked today about how Alleles mediate autism risk and ASD-related phenotypes. They do so via the sum to negative and positive effects of cognitive traits with trade-offs playing an important goal. How many cases of autism are a result of having essentially too much of a good thing, too many genes for good visual-spatial skill, being at one end of this trade-off? How and why has risk of autism evolved by this model? in the context of social and non-social trait evolution via changes in development and expression of these evolved traits with psychotic affective conditions as opposites of ASDs. Thanks very much.